Loving Father in heaven, praise, honor, glory, and adoration be unto your holy name. We thank you for the privilege of life that you have given to us, and we thank you, Lord, for providing for us the basic necessities by which our life is sustained. We look forward to the day when our Lord Jesus will come, and for that purpose, Lord, we fellowship with you now that you may fit us to be among those who will make it to your kingdom. As we go through your words now, we ask that you would grant to us the gift of your spirit, that we may rightly divide the word of truth, and that you would give us wisdom and knowledge and understanding that will be impressed in our hearts to know exactly the truths that are important to us to follow individually. We ask, Father, that you inspire us with the courage, with the same spirit that you have inspired the men of old with, that we may work and do great things for you even now. I consecrate, I, be, I bring myself to you and ask, Lord, please consecrate me to your service and put your words in my mouth to bless your children who are listening. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, December 26 Noble Examples The righteous also shall hold on his way, and he that hath clean hands shall be stronger and stronger. Job chapter 17 verse 9 Sacred history presents many illustrations of the results of true education. It presents many noble examples of men whose characters were formed under divine direction, men whose lives were a blessing to their fellow men and who stood in the world as representatives of God. Among these are Joseph and Daniel, Moses, Elisha and Paul, the greatest statesmen, the wisest legislator, one of the most faithful of reformers, and except him who spoke as never man spake, the most illustrious teacher that this world has known. In early life, just as they were passing from youth to manhood, Joseph and Daniel were separated from their homes and carried as captives to hidden lands. Especially was Joseph subject to the temptations that attend great changes of fortune. In his father's home, a tenderly cherished child. In the house of Potiphar, a slave, then a confidant and companion, a man of affairs, educated by study, observation, contact with men. In Pharaoh's dungeon, a prisoner of state, condemned unjustly without hope of vindication or a prospect of release, called at a great crisis to the leadership of the nation. What enabled him to preserve his integrity? Loyalty to God, faith in the unseen was Joseph's anchor. In this lay the hiding of his power. By their wisdom and justice, by the purity and benevolence of their daily life, by their devotion to the interests of the people, and they idolaters, Joseph and Daniel proved themselves 
true to the principles of their early training, true to him whose representative they were. What a life work was that of these noble Hebrews. The same mighty truths that were revealed through these men, God desires to reveal through the youth and the children of today. The history of Joseph and Daniel is an illustration of what he will do for those who yield themselves to him and with the whole heart seek to accomplish his purpose. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Noble Examples. In the devotion, this, no, these noble examples are described as men whose lives were a blessing to their fellow men and who stood in the world as representatives of God. That is what qualifies one to be a noble example as far as this devotion is concerned, being a blessing to your fellow men and stand in the world as representatives of God. So who are the noble examples mentioned? Among these are, I will put them into two categories. We have Joseph and Daniel. These two are notable for their firm stance while living in the belly of the beast, when surrounded with the fiercest kind of temptations. And the second set of the noble examples are three men, Moses, Elisha, and Paul. These five men are described as the greatest statesmen. But I'll single out these three now, Moses, Elisha, and Paul. They are described as the greatest statesmen. So, who is a statesman? A statesman is a man who is a leader in national or international affairs. A statesman or a stateswoman is a respected, skilled, and experienced figure or leader. In most respects, a statesman is the opposite of a politician. Politicians are thought of as people who will say or do anything to get elected or to gain power. But a statesman always disinterestedly looks after the welfare of the people. He is not after his own selfish ambitions. He is most times an unelected but widely accepted and revered leader of the people. These three men, Moses, Elisha and Paul, are described as the greatest statesmen. How did these men do as statesmen? Moses is described as the wisest legislator. What do we remember from the life of Moses that we can learn from him? First thing we'll talk about is his education. His mother saw him and said this is a proper child and they trained him intentionally for the work of being a statesman, of delivering Israel from bondage. He was well educated. In fact, he had before him the glories of the world at his feet. He was to be the next Pharaoh. In the book of Acts 7 verse 22, Stephen, when speaking, said this about Moses. He says, And Moses was, was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. Like I said, he was well educated. He was a prince, mighty in deeds and powerful. He was well skilled in fighting battles and was a proper, well-bred child. He is described as being mighty in words. Contrary to popular opinion, Moses was no stammerer. The book of Deuteronomy is actually this man Moses standing at 120 years for hours and speaking his own words to the people of Israel without the need of any translator. Aaron was even dead at the time. In all his interactions with the people of Israel, he did not need Aaron or any man to speak for him. It was only when speaking to Pharaoh 
that he needed Aaron's help. And that is because being away from Egypt for 40 years, he had become less fluent in the Egyptian language. This is why Aaron spoke to Pharaoh for him. Moses in Egypt showed his loyalty to the cause of God and the people, though in a misguided way. Stephen speaking of him says in Acts 7 reading from verse 23, and when he was full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel, and seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. For he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. But what do we learn from here? Like Paul wrote about Moses in Hebrews 11 verse 24 to 27, By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. What did Moses do? He sacrificed all of Egypt because of the great love for the people he had. In doing this, he is more than qualified to be the great statesman for the world. I am reminded of Moses' self-distrust and his total loyalty to God and his law. When the Lord called him, he rejected the work. Why? Because he had lost all confidence in self and then he had confidence in God and took up the work that was before him and did it faithfully. I am also reminded of his strict observance to little rigid rules and his faithfulness in observing them. But what stands out in Moses is his balance of character which we can call his meekness. Here was a man who had direct access to God, but in great love for his people would rather see himself dead than his people lost in the wilderness. He was not hung up on his position. There are not many people who can handle the attention power and the control that Moses had. Exodus 11 verse 3 tells us the kind of power and reverence people had towards him. It says, And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. Amen. Again, another example of the power of Moses is written in the book of Exodus 33 verse 8. It says, And it came to pass, when Moses went out unto the tabernacle, that all the people rose up, and stood every man at his tent, and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. Such was the kind of reverence that they had toward Moses, that when he stood up to go to the tabernacle, everybody stands in their tent and watches him, although this was the situation where they had sinned against God and they were looking up to Moses to help them. Of course, we learned in yesterday's lesson about exalting men, Moses handled this position remarkably. This man was revered as a god, but never did it get to his head. But most importantly, one thing we see among these three men were mentioned, Moses, Elisha and Paul. We realize something about them, which is that they had the world at their feet, but yet they chose to follow God. Moses is rightly described as the wise legislator. Through the works of Moses, statutes, 
ordinances and laws were set forth in Israel which will become the bedrock and foundation for the government, not just of Israel, but many other nations today. Many have been beneficiaries of the wise and just and holy laws set forth for the people through his instrumentality. Till today, until Jesus comes, after Jesus, the name and works of Moses will be on the lips of many and will keep ringing all around the world. Why? Because he chose to forsake all the prospects of the glories of this world that he may suffer reproach with Christ. And why did he do that? The Bible says he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the pleasures of Egypt. What is your Egypt today? Moses was already living the life. Sometimes you say, oh, he had great prospects. Not prospect. He was already living the life. He was a prince next to be the next Pharaoh. But he forsook all that for the sake of the people to serve them and to become one with them and to help them. He came down and helped them. Let's go to the next person now, Elisha. He's described as one of the most faithful of reformers. At a time when all Israel of the northern kingdom had apostatized and forsaken those wise laws which were given to govern them by Moses and to give them peace, Elisha, a man who was from a rich family but had greater love for the people than the love for riches, forsook all his wealth and his riches and his business so that he could be a mere servant to the man of God, Elijah, and receive training to be a leader of the people and turn them back to God. He was taking care of oxen. He had a business that was booming. And while he was in the midst of this business with the great prospects before him and while he was still making his money, he was called and he responded to the call, not some days later, but immediately that same day. The life he now lived was not an easy one. From one who was like a king, living a sweet and good life, who was ministered to, he became a servant to minister to others. One who had his own servants, not as a boy now, but as a man, he humbled himself to run errands for the prophet Elijah. Reading from Conflict and Courage, page 222, paragraph 3, concerning Elisha, it says, It was no great work that was at first required of Elisha. Commonplace duties still constituted his discipline. He is spoken of as pouring water on the hands of Elijah, his master. He was willing to do anything that the Lord directed and at every step he learned lessons of humility and service. Elijah's life after uniting with Elijah was not without temptations, trials he had in abundance, but in every emergency he relied on God. He was tempted to think of the home that he had left, but to this temptation he gave no heed. Having put his hand to the plow, he was resolved not to turn back, and through test and trial, he proved true to distrust. End of quote. Amen. From there, he would become a sort of deliverer of his people. He continued the schools of the prophets established by Elijah whom he regarded as his father. He lived a minimal life, going from place to place in times of famine and hardship, relieving the distress of widows, 
orphans and the poor. He worked mightily to deliver his apostate people and also taught them the ways of the Lord. He helped the kings at the time even though they were apostatizing from the Lord and gave them great deliverance. He taught them statutes and judgments because they had so gone away from God serving Baal and serving other gods. He was he, he reformed Israel. He brought them back to the Lord. He later was content to die of a lingering illness and he ended his journey without complaint. Also now the next statesman is Paul and in the devotion he is described in page 366 paragraph 2 of Conflict and Courage except him who spoke as never men speak the most illustrious teacher that this world has known. What a, ma- what a description to have of yourself that next to Jesus Paul is the most illustrious teacher that this world has ever known. He left an illustrious career as a budding and promising lawyer to be a servant to all the world. Like he said in his own words in Philippians 3 verse 7 and 8, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yeah, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. But it was not just for him to gain heaven that that Paul forsook all things and counted them but dung. He lived a life in complete devotion and service to the people and to God. Paul's life is an exceptional sacrifice that we see in him. He sacrificed his dreams because of the love he had for the people and he chose to suffer persecution, perils, privation, hunger, the loss of all things and eventually a martyr's death. All because he was laboring to bring his people and the whole world into a knowledge of the truth that they may not perish. If he chose, he could have lived in peace and safety, but he didn't see these things in this way. In fact, he said in the book of 1 Corinthians 9, reading from verse 16, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yeah. Woe is me if I preach not the gospel, for if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me, what is my reward then? Verily that, when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I may gain the Jews, to them that are under the law as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law, to them with, that are without the law as without the law, being not without law to God, but under law to Christ, that I might gain them that are under the law. To the weak became I as weak, that I may gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. With a self-abnegation that matches that of the angels in heaven, Paul did not seek his own. He sought to elevate men even if it meant his own degradation. As the persecution he faced increased, his zeal and love for God and man also increased and more than matched the threats and attacks and the wrath of Satan against him. Never did he, on account of the things he suffered, quit the work he was doing. As a horse goes to battle, 
Paul fearlessly braved everything the devil could throw at him to discourage him from the work he was doing. Speaking of the horse, the Bible says in the book of Job 39 verse 19 to 26, Has thou given the horse strength? Has thou clothed his neck with thunder? Canst thou make him afraid as a grasshopper? The glory of his nostrils is terrible. This is exactly what Paul is like. He poured in the valley and rejoiced in his strength. He goeth on to meet the armed men. He mocketh at fear and is not affrighted. Neither turneth he back from the sword. The quiver rattleth against him, the glittering spear and the shield. He swalloweth the ground with fierceness and rage. Neither believeth he that it is the sound of the trumpet. He saith among the trumpets, Ha ha! And he smelleth the battle afar off, the thunder of the captains and the shouting. Amen. This is a fitting description of the character of Paul. He was fearless, beaten so many times in Iconium, Lystra, and in also Derby, and he did not fear to go back to those places. He was stoned to death, but he was miraculously saved. But he didn't say to himself, oh, because I was stoned to death in this place, I'm never going there again. He went back to those places from Antioch in Pisidia to Lystra, Iconium, Derby. In those places, he suffered badly. In Philippi, he was flogged. In Ephesus, they raised up a riot against him, but none of those things moved him. He was an orator, a well-read man, a researcher, a powerful speaker, a man of well-balanced faculties, clear reasoning, powerful intuition, skilled with hands and also with a keen perception, equally skilled with his mind. He was multilingual also. All these could have been used in the service of the world, but as a statesman who had pledged himself to serve man, he consecrated all these gifts to be used to the glory of God and the service of humanity. Amen. You see, this description of Paul is the same thing as Moses. Paul didn't have so much to live as Moses had. Moses was supposed to be the next king of the world power and Moses left all of that. But these three men, Paul, Moses, and Elisha. These noble examples are on record for us that we may see what man united with God and with divine power can do. If we choose, like these men, we can live self-sacrificing lives. Just as we read about the horse in Job 39 verse 19 and 20, it says, Has thou given the horse strength? Has thou clothed his neck with thunder? Can thou make him afraid as a grasshopper? The glory of his nostrils is terrible. Amen. The God who gives the horse strength, courage, and the spirit of loyalty to its master gave Paul the same gifts and can also give it to us. The God whose laws made Moses the wisest legislator ever can also teach us if we will humble ourselves to be led by him. It is possible through Christ to imitate the self-denying examples of these men and live a life of sacrifice for God and man that we may be great statesmen for our own time, not statesmen that promote the good of specific nations, but like Paul, Moses, Elisha, statesmen that promote the good for the whole world, like Moses teaching them the law of God, like Elisha reforming the people and bringing them gently back to their maker. This is a work that is laid before us. One thing that is in common within these three people, Paul, Moses and Elisha is that they left all for God. 
they had in fact they were living the life they were not it's not a case of oh there's prospect before me oh this person has potential to be this or potential to be that no they were already that elisha was already rich moses was already the prince of egypt waiting to be the next pharaoh paul already has had a career that was already doing very fine but these men left all these things let us call them their egypts they left their egypts so that they can serve the world moses was a married man he left his family to serve the world elisha and paul of course did not get married but whether you are married whether you are unmarried you can look at these noble examples and gather inspiration from them and with a spirit of holy emulation repeat the things that these men did with a love for souls and love for god that matches their own we can give our lives self-denying self-sacrificingly to the work of being statesmen for this world but i'll move on to the next examples now the other noble examples we have before us are joseph and daniel these are men who were not necessarily revered leaders like um, Moses and Paul who were to the whole world. But they were individuals who stood firm for God and missed the great apostasy and temptation that surrounded them. Both Joseph and Daniel were subject to slavery. Joseph, he lived a posh life when he was younger, but he was betrayed by his brothers and sold to slavery, subject to cruel treatment, his legs and hands bound with iron shackles and delivered to be a slave in a strange land. That day in Dotan he would never forget, where he saw his own brothers with their eyes red with blood to kill him. Then there was Daniel, a man of noble background from the royal family, also like Joseph accustomed to the comforts of royalty and living a soft life, a posh life. He was not only subject to the cruelty of slavery, but he was humbled and subject not only to the great pain that comes from having his genitals chopped off, castrated, but the shame that comes with this dehumanization, this castration. Both these men Joseph and Daniel resolved that regardless of the cruel treatment that they had received, they will stand stiffly for the, for the truth and for the Lord and will not make any compromise with the world and will serve God with their minds and their bodies. They could easily have given up on God because of the unfortunate event that they passed through as slaves, but instead of that, they rather chose to serve God more firmly than they have ever done. Reading from Conflict and Courage, page 366, paragraph 5 and 6, we are told, by their wisdom and justice, by the purity and benevolence of their daily life, by their devotion to the interests of the people and their idolaters, Joseph and Daniel proved themselves true to the principles of their early training, true to him whose representative they were. What a life work was that of these noble Hebrews, end of quote. I'm reminded of what Jesus prayed for us, which is something that Joseph and Daniel lived out. What was the prayer? John 17 verse 14 and 15, Jesus prayed concerning us. I have given them thy word. He was talking to his father, by the way. And the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou should take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Amen. This was what Daniel and Joseph lived out. 
living in the belly of the beast in the world, but then kept themselves from the evil of the world that surrounded them. The book of 2 Corinthians 6 verse 14 to 18 tells us exactly how we are to do this same thing that Joseph and Daniel did. It says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbeliever. For what fellowship had righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness, and what concord hath Christ with Belial, or what hath what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. This is what Joseph and Daniel were, in the world but not of the world, separated, touching not the unclean thing, being the temple of the living God, and the Lord walking in them, and dwelling in them, and being their God, and they being his people. But how are we to achieve this? How? In John 17 verse 16 and 17, Jesus said, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Then he said, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Joseph and Daniel were sanctified by the truth. And we are told today, in Conflict and Courage, page 366, paragraph 7, the same mighty truths that were revealed through these men, God desires to reveal through the youth and the children of today. The history of Joseph and Daniel is an illustration of what he will do for those who yield themselves to him and with the whole heart seek to accomplish his purpose. End of quote. Daniel and Joseph, they had the mighty truths that sanctified them. Just to remind us in the book Patriarchs and Prophets, page 214, paragraph 2, to tell us how Joseph lived and of course it has to be how Daniel lived too, he told us, arriving in Egypt, Joseph was sold to Potiphar, captain of the king's guard, in whose service he remained for ten years. He was here exposed to temptations of no ordinary character. He was in the midst of idolatry. The worship of false gods was surrounded by all the pomp of royalty supported by the wealth and culture of the most highly civilized nation then in existence. Yet. Joseph preserved his simplicity and his fidelity to God. The sights and sounds of vice were all about him, but he was as one who saw and heard not. His thoughts were not permitted to linger upon forbidden subjects. The desire to gain the favor of the Egyptians could not cause him to conceal his principles. Had he attempted to do this, he would have been overcome by temptation. But he was not ashamed of the religion of his fathers, and he made no effort to hide the fact that he was a worshipper of Jehovah." End of quote. And so it was with Daniel too, and this is how we can be in the world and not of the world. Daniel, when he arrived in Babylon, with corruption and idolatry teeming everywhere, he resolved that not even the fear of death or of the king will lead him to compromise in his faith in the least particular. He became the great example of health reform and of an excellent spirit. 
Joseph had the temptation of lust and fornication before him, but chose rather to keep himself pure. He suffered for years as a prisoner of the state, but he was innocent. For his integrity he suffered, for the truth's sake he was persecuted. The same conditions that Daniel and Joseph were subject to is present in our day. Like we read concerning Joseph, the sights and sound of vice were all about him. Today the sights and sounds of vice is all about us. You look to your right, there's vice and sight of it. You look to your left, oh it is all around us. It is the same thing. We must resolve like Daniel not to defile ourselves with anything that defiles. If we must serve God today, that's what we must do, and to touch not the unclean thing and be separate from the world. Like Joseph, we must be as one that sees not or hears not. The devil will want to bring to our minds the scenes and sights of evil, but we are not to allow them to linger in our minds. Ministry of Healing, page 456, paragraph 1 says, We must turn away from a thousand topics that invite attention. There are matters that consume time and arouse inquiry but end in nothing. The highest interests demand the close attention and energy that are so often given to comparatively insignificant things." End of quote. We are living in a time where the world is like Egypt where Joseph lived and Babylon where Daniel lived. Like Joseph and Daniel, we are in a strange land. We are like slaves in this land, and we must stand firm for the Lord in the face of the teeming multitude practicing iniquity. This is the work that prophecy has laid down for us. The Bible speaks in Revelation 14 verse 1 to 5 of a people who are singled out for this purpose. It says, And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him an hundred forty and four thousand, having his father's name written in their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven, as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps, and they sung as it were a new song before the throne, and before the four beasts and the elders, and no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. And they are described, it says, These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. Amen. And in verse 12, they are described thus, Here is the patience of the saints. Patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. This is what Joseph and Daniel was like in the world in which they lived. And this is what we are to be like. So, what is it that makes these people special? Reading from Bible Commentary, Volume 7, page 978, paragraph 2, it says, Why were they so specially singled out? That is, these 140 and 4,000, those who are described as the commandment keepers who have the faith of Jesus. Why are they so specially singled out? The answer is given now. Because they had to stand with a wonderful truth right before the whole world and receive their opposition. And while receiving this opposition, they were to remember that they were sons and daughters of God, that they must have Christ formed within them the hope of glory. End of quote. Amen. This is the experience of Joseph and Daniel. 
and we must have a similar experience to stand with a wonderful truth right before the world and receive the contradiction of sinners against ourselves and the opposition of the world and while receiving this opposition remember that we are sons of God and remain pure unstained and undefiled by the vices of the world these men noble examples Elisha Moses Paul Joseph and Daniel as I go through the life of these men of noble example, I ask myself, what am I in comparison to these men? The sacrifices they made. And I could say a lot about that. I want to just dwell on it. Elisha left his business. Moses chose to leave Egypt with what he was already at that time, a prince in Egypt. Paul gave himself up to the Lord hundred percent such an exceptional life that of paul and that of moses and that of elisha three of them unreserved surrender they held nothing back sacrificed everything for the lord all their time their resources the energy paul and elisha even sacrificed the benefit of having a wife there was a time when paul wrote in first corinthians 9 where he asked do i not have the right to lead about a wife or is it only i and barnabas who shouldn't do that that was a sacrifice he made these men huge huge sacrifice they made and what was the huge sacrifice sacrificing all the firm resolve of these five people the self-denial the zeal for the lord the fervent love for humanity and the devotion to the cause of god which is revealed in their lives is worthy of my contemplation and yours too and it is worthy of holy emulation the question is will i like these statesmen live a life that will be a blessing to my fellow men and stand in the world as a representative of God? Do I love humanity enough like Moses who, who prayed to the Lord to die rather than the people? Do I love humanity enough like Elisha who left all to follow and become a mere servant? Do I love humanity and do I love God enough like Paul to sacrifice all for the reproach of Christ facing all kinds of hazards and yet saying none of these things move me neither count i my life there unto myself and counting all things but dung but looking at the battle and yet facing it and going to meet it like a horse seeing it and saying ha ha and then going to meet it knowing very well that they are going to kill me yes and yet i am still going to meet my death do i love god enough like these men did to suffer the reproach of christ and even choose to die rather than to see the people die? Do I love God enough like Joseph and Daniel to keep myself pure and endanger my life and be imprisoned rather than compromise my faith? This is the question that is left to be answered by you and I. But we can use this opportunity as we listen now to this devotion to answer this question. We can choose now to consecrate ourselves in the spirit of holy devotion and holy emulation to God and love for man to emulate the service of these statesmen. Let us choose now to serve the Lord and to serve man and to serve not just for the sake of benefit that we see to ourselves but to serve disinterestedly.
and work hard to live pure holy lives to put away the sin that ought so easily beset us and to also live a life in service to man regardless of all the hazards it will cause us the choice is ours but if we choose to do so you can be assured of this one thing that the lord will bless you through every trial through every peril and persecution like like, like the life of paul the lord will deliver you it is never going to be an easy thing to serve the lord the devil will make it hard but then i tell you as he makes it hard the lord will give you greater protection as your days are so shall your strength be the lord will bless you with legions of angels to accord you everywhere you go he will protect you do not look at the things of this world and say i have so much to gain these men left all of that as these three men elisha paul and moses especially moses left all of that to serve you and me it was not just egypt it was not just israel of that day today we still have the the name of moses in our lips till jesus comes if there's one name that will be on the lips of people till jesus comes more than every other name you see that name moses oh the work he did is the foundation of every christian today it is the foundational work of principles laid down the foundation of christ which is the commandments of god the statutes the laws this man faithfully did his work and we can stand in our own sphere faithful to the lord you may not be as popular and revered as moses and paul and elisha and john and joseph and daniel no you may not be your life may be one of obscurity you may go down to your grave without so many people knowing you in this world but if you will sacrifice all for the lord like these men and live pure holy lives you can be assured you will not lose your reward romans 15 verse 4 for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope have hope my brothers and sisters courage take courage you can do it the lord has a work for us today to stand before the world with a wonderful truth let us read from the lessons of these men and get courage and be inspired with the same zeal to do the work that we have before us today let us pray thank you dear father for these words spoken to us lord inspire us with the same spirit that inspired these men that our lives may be noble examples to those around us today we pray father that you would give us that spirit of holy emulation that we may say i want to be like jesus the noblest example ever that we will sacrifice all our skills and like these men elisha daniel paul joseph and moses all we have learned whether it is our gift of speech whether it is the fact that we are bilingual whether it is the fact that we have the connections like moses had that we will use all that we have our influence to the glory of the lord as statesmen for the good of every human around us do this for us and take the glory in jesus name i've prayed amen